June 6, 2021. Out with the old, in with the new. Week 4. One Another Series. Oh. You know, it's, I, I have to start in, in a place that I, I don't necessarily want to. I, you know, sometimes there's family matters that come up in situations in different people's lives that we need to pray about, to pause, and, and to talk about. And today there's one of those situations. Some of you, or many of you perhaps, know David and Kristen Coffey. Well, on, um, I can't even say it. Two days ago, um, they found their two-year-old daughter drowned in their pool. I called David and I've been on the phone with him a bunch. I was at their house yesterday. They're devastated. So um, there's an awful accident. You know, kids move quickly and before you know it, stuff happens. Um, but I, I would ask that you be praying for David and Kristen. They've got a journey ahead of them, making sense of all this, figuring out what steps are next. And there's a whole big story that would take an hour or more to share. But just know that they need our prayers. They need their church family to come around them right now and to be lifting them up in prayer. So I'm going to pray for them now. But then I ask that you continue to do so in the weeks, days, and months, and years to come. Goodness. So Father, we lift the Coffee family up to you right now. And as they mourn Cheeky's death, that you would bring them comfort and peace in the middle of this storm. Lord, this is a storm the likes of which none of us ever want to experience. But we know in the middle of storms like this, you are faithful and that you provide a way, you support us, you lift us up and, and you have a way of even redeeming situations like this. So Father, I pray that right now, as I imagine it's, it's possible David and Kristen and the family is watching right now, that, that you would send your peace, that your Holy Spirit would be present in their home and that their home would become a place of peace because you are present. And Father, as this week unfolds and the weeks that follow, I pray that they would sense your leading every step of the way and they would cling so tight to you through this challenge and that as they do, they would find you faithful each and every step. So we thank you, Father. And we pray for the coffees and um, ask that you would work in their family in an amazing way. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So I, I have to start in sort of a, you know, that's a abrupt change from where I just was to where I want to go. But it's good that you're all wearing clothes this morning. No, really, I'm glad you all got dressed. It would have been weird if you hadn't. And I think as, we, as you're dressed, some of you spend a lot of time and you go all primped and probed and everything is perfect. Other of you probably just rolled out of bed and got in the car and got here because you're, that's just the way you do Sunday mornings. We're continuing in our series, our One Another series, and today we'll talk about what we put on each day. Maybe not physical clothes, but what you put on spiritually and how people look at you and how, what they see when they look at you. Who you are as a follower of Christ and what you decide and what you show the world. Today is going to be challenging. It's going to be an incredibly introspective series, or message, where you will examine your own heart. I don't want you examining somebody else's heart and saying that message was for them. No, I want you to look at the words I'm about to share and how they impact your life. 
We're in our fourth week of this series, the one another series, where we're looking at the one another phrases that are spoken throughout scripture and how they impact and apply to our body, our church, those of us who are sitting in this room, who go to other services or campuses. How do these passages inform the ways in which we're supposed to live with each other and do life and ministry together? Now, the one another phrase we're going to look at today is found in Colossians 3.13, and it simply says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, this is going to be the hard part in a little bit, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you can be an incredibly challenging quote, a piece of scripture that we need to live by. And as we dive into this, we have to look at the first 12 chapter, uh, verses of this chapter to really understand the context that um, Paul was writing into, to understand why this is so important and what needs to come before it before we're actually able to forgive one another. Because in this verse, we see we're to bear with one another, to stick with each other, to cling to each other but then we're to forgive as the Lord forgave us, which is incredibly challenging. We're gonna start at um, Colossians 3, verses one through four and then beyond to see what we can learn about ourselves as we examine our own hearts this morning. So if you have your Bible app or your Bible, you can turn to Colossians. We'll start in chapter three, verses one through four. Since then, You have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory." There's one line in that passage that I think speaks to our situation in our world and actually our church right now. And it's, it's right here. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not, not on earthly things. I have a confession to make. This is incredibly difficult for me. I get so concerned about the things that are happening in the world, whether it be family or what's happening here in our church, or if you look at our geopolitical system and all that's happening in our world, it's just mind-numbing. And if you focus too much attention on that, I bet, and I know I do, I have trouble sleeping because my mind just goes from one thing to the next, trying to solve problems and get to the answer, and it is exhausting. Can you relate to that? where the things of earth have such an influence in your mind and your thoughts that they, they take you away from focusing on God and they, they just wear you out, suck all the life out of you because you're looking around trying to solve problems and create answers. As followers of Christ who have been raised with Jesus, we, this is our story, we have new life. We no longer need to be concerned about the the things of this world. At one time, we were lost and wandering. Nothing made sense. We were like sailboats drifting without their centerboard put down. Just as life and the wind and everything happened in our world, we just get blown and tossed to the side. But that's not the case for those who have accepted Jesus as Savior. As you ask him into your life, there's this transformation that happens and you become brand new. Jesus' life in exchange for ours. When you call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
and you start to focus on things above. You, you, not that the things around here aren't there anymore, but when your primary focus is on God and his ways and his word and scripture and how you live it out, when your focus turns to things above, it changes the way you look at the world. And all of a sudden, you're not as concerned about all the happenings day in and day out that happen all around you. But your focus, your gaze, your attention is on the one who created you and loves you and cares for you. As he gave us the Holy Spirit, we're able to have victory over the situations in our world. They're not to hinder us anymore. I, I, again, confession, I was laying awake. I, I need to practice what I preach. I was laying awake in bed last night thinking about so many things, the coffee family and other things that are happening around me. And I lost my focus on Jesus and I was up all night. When we take our gaze off of the author and perfecter of our faith, when we take our gaze off the one who created you and everything in this world, when we take our gaze off of him, the things of the world can creep in and distract us and, and grab our attention. Jesus needs to be at the top of our minds. We need to look at him and we need to say, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on God, on Jesus, on, on the, the faith that we have. Set your mind on that. The beauty of that reality. And your heart changes. The way you view the world suddenly changes. You'll probably sleep better. Your mind won't be so confused. Not that those issues go away. They are still there. But all of a sudden you have a different way to look at them and view them. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's alive and well in you and is able to flow through you as you focus on God. Don't miss that. If we're going to better understand the one another statement at the end of this chapter, at the end of this section, we first need to understand that our gaze needs to be solely on God and things above. We need to put Jesus in his proper place in our lives and realize that God is God and we are not. That he has a plan for your life that is far better than anything you can muster on your own. And as you walk into that reality and focus on him, the things of earth, strangely dim. So when Jesus is in his proper place, Paul continues in Colossians in verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. When we focus our attention and our gaze on Jesus and he becomes our primary desire, then, then Paul is saying, put to death all the sin that exists in your life. Put to death. It's, it's strong language. It's final. It's over. It's done. No more. You put those things to death. You move beyond them. You sever all ties to sin when you put them to death. Our earthly nature craves those things. Sometimes the sins that Paul mentions here, especially, especially when you get to sexual immorality, impurity, and lust, and evil desires, we sort of hold those in our hearts. 
where we think nobody can see them and no one will ever know the sin we're engaged in. And we sort of hold it over here. and Life goes on, but we have this one thing that we won't let go of, that we hold on to for dear life because nobody will ever know. And my family were big Lord of the Rings fans. We actually probably watched through all the movies yearly. And there's one character who understands this principle so well. And if you've watched the movies or know the story, read the books, it's Gollum. Gollum, above all else, wanted that one ring, the ring of power. It controlled his mind, his actions. It controlled everything about him. And when he got it, what did he call it? My precious. In a very evil voice. And he held on to it like, like it was his best possession. His, his whole life was tied up into that ring and he wanted it more than anything. And he schemed to get it when he didn't have it. And it actually led to his demise at the end of the movies. We're the same way with the sin in our hearts. We hold on to it so tight. We don't want anybody to take it. We don't want anybody to see it or know it's there. And we hide it away thinking and calling it my precious. And ultimately it will lead to your demise. That's why Paul is saying here so strongly, put it to death. Get rid of it. Run, flee, get as far away from it as east is from west. Get away from your sin. Put it to death in your life because it will lead to your demise. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, put them to death. And this is where I don't want you to look at your neighbor, but I want you to look right into your own life and into your own heart and be honest with yourself right now. Are any of those things present in your life? Do you harbor any of them in your heart, protecting them so that nobody sees? If you are, or if you do, might today be the day that you put that to death? and you flee. Today, maybe you go out with the old, out with the old way of thinking, out with the old desires, put them off to the side and embrace the reality of who Jesus is. And you put off the old and you go out with the old. Paul continues in in verse seven. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also, listen to this, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, and do not lie to each other. Come on, Paul, that's hard. You know, the first list are things we sort of hide and do off on our own. We're not real proud of the first list. But these, ask anybody in your life if these things are present Ask your parents, ask your siblings, ask your children, ask a coworker, ask a neighbor. Say, hey, am I an angry person? Do I have rage and malice and slander in my heart? Do I use filthy language? You know what? They've probably been waiting for an opportunity to tell you that you do. 
they're probably waiting for you to say that. And then as you ask that question, or again, you get very introspective, identify those things and put them to death. These, this list drastically influences every relationship you have. If you slander people, nobody wants to be around you. If you talk and you have filthy language constantly coming out of your lips, that's ridiculous. Sometimes when somebody's a liar, they lie so frequently and so often, they don't even know what the truth is anymore. They're so lost in their lives and that way of life. Put that to death. It's easy to slip into this behavior. There are plenty of people to be angry with right now or institutions to rage against or to have ill will towards or to rip apart with our words. It's easy to have filthy language. It's easy to slander. Lying sometimes just comes naturally. But it impacts every relationship you have if you live in that way. Every relationship. The people around you see it. It's time to say, out with the old. Out with both of these, these sections of scripture. Paul, you put your finger, not me, Paul, the apostle, you put your finger on exactly what's happening in my life. And put it off to the side, out with the old. But in the middle of this, we'll find in the verses that follow, there is hope, there is healing, and there is grace. Since then, you have taken off your old self with its practices. Since then, you've removed all of that from your life and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What Paul is saying here, when you live in this way and you throw everything off to the side, when you get rid of the old self, you find victory because your old ways of living and thinking are gone and actually you are new. You are a brand new creation. Through Jesus, you can be set free out with the old and in with the new. In with the new, all barriers. I love what Paul does here. All barriers that exist in society, he's, he's removing them. You had the Jews and the Gentiles, which was a religious, you know, the Jews were a strong religious group and the Gentiles were everybody who wasn't Jewish. And they didn't get along with each other. Paul's saying, no more. You're all one. There's no more circumcised or uncircumcised. That was a big thing back in the day. I'm glad it's not today, but back then it was a big deal. And you couldn't associate with people who were um, uncircumcised if you were. And Paul's saying, throw that away. We are all one in Jesus. No slave or free. We're one. We're all united. When you start living in this way and you rid yourself of all this sinful behavior, all the anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language, and you're not lying to each other, it draws us closer to other people. And the divisions that used to exist seemed to fade away. For Colossae and the church Paul was writing to, this was radical. The church thrived on divisions. It thrived on being separated from each other. They didn't want to associate with other people. And Paul just leveled the playing field. And I think he's doing the same for us now. In Christ, we are one. 
I don't know how else to read that. As we become closer to Jesus, as we focus on things above, the divisions that exist in our world fade away. And we are one. We are one. And this leads us to verse 12. I love what Paul does next. Therefore, because of everything we just said, everything we just read about, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, listen to this, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves like Jesus. As you look at those, those adjectives of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, they all describe Jesus. Every one of those words is part of his character and who he was. And as his followers, as we look above, we're to clothe ourselves with the same things. We're to put on the new self. Romans 13, 14 says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with Jesus. I started off asking or saying, I'm glad you're all clothed today, but this is my real question. Are you clothed with Jesus this morning? When people look at you, do they see compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? That's a tough question. And that's why I said this is going to be incredibly introspective. Do people see you with those first two lists of being, you know, full of sin and hate and anger? Or do they see you filled with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? If you wanted to, you could ask your neighbor. But be careful for what they might say. In the depths of your heart, ask that question. Ask that question. The first list was incredibly ugly. The second is beautiful. What Paul's encouraging us to do is go out with the old and in with the new. And there's one more stop. We need to go to where we began. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You need to do the hard work of ridding your life of sin. You need to do the hard work of focusing on God above all else. You need to do the hard work of, of putting on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. As you do all of that, that's when we get to bear with each other. The first things we talked about are things you need to do as an individual so that when you interact with your church family, when you interact with the body of Christ, we bear with each other. We forgive one another. We forgive as the Lord forgave us. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what our church should be like? We don't hold grievances against each other and we forgive. We offer forgiveness freely to those who need it, to those we have wronged, to those we may have upset in some way. But it all begins by first focusing our attention on Jesus. Ridding our lives of all the sin that Paul mentioned in these chapters of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. 
anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, it all being gone, clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. It demands of us those things before we can forgive each other. Because when we do these things, we understand how much we've been forgiven and it's much easier to offer forgiveness to somebody else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I hope that you leave today. You're saying in your heart, out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old way of life, my old desires, the things that I used to do, and in with the new of compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness. And the only way to get there is through a relationship with Jesus. You can't do that on your own. It's by calling on Jesus and understanding and thinking about things above that all of these things are added to you. As we go out with the old and in with the new, forgiveness flows more freely from all areas of our lives. And we end up saying, out with the old, in with the new, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I usually don't rhyme much but it just seemed to fit. I think we can all remember that. Out with the old, in with the new, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And as you do, we will live out this one another statement. We will, we will be different than the world. We will shine. In just a few moments, we're gonna celebrate communion together. We're going to have an opportunity as the elements are here and hopefully you pick them up as you walked in. If you didn't, you can do so in just a minute. In just a minute. We're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us and, and how through his sacrifice, we find forgiveness of sins. We remember how because Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death and rose again and then ascended into heaven because of his life and ministry, we are forgiven if we call on his name if we accept him as our savior. So we're gonna do, we're gonna sing one song. As we sing it, I pray, uh, uh, my hope and prayer is that this song is a prayer leading into communion. You can stand and sing, you can sit and sing, you can just reflect on the words, however you feel comfortable. But let this song prepare your hearts to receive communion to receive and remember the goodness, remember the goodness and the uh, forgiveness that only comes through Jesus. And then I'll come back up and we'll partake of communion together. But I think it's appropriate to say, out with the old, in with the new, forgive as the Lord forgave you. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can learn together, we can grow together. We can focus on things above and pick our heads up from the fray of this world and remember that you are God and we are not and that you're in charge and what we see fades and fails in comparison to the goodness and the greatness of who you are. Father, I pray that in the moments that follow as we sing or reflect and then receive communion, that you would even be laying on our hearts how we need to react to this, what things we need to let fall from our lives, how we need to clothe ourselves differently with you, Jesus. And then maybe 
who we need to forgive. So Father, in these moments as we reflect, I pray that you would do a work in each of our hearts. And I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.